Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Plus Four podcast, exploring the big wide world of hickory golf. I'm your host, Rob Berman. Episodes of this podcast reflect the personalities, the passion, and the pursuit of the game as it was played in the pre-1935 era across the world. Please subscribe and hit the like button to help us build our network of golfing fans coordinated in the United States through the Society of Hickory Golfers. And visit us online at plus4.org. Jillian Kirkwood possesses a wealth of golf knowledge and business experience and is a past Ladies Golf Union counselor and past chairman of the Scottish Ladies Golfing Association. She is also a highly experienced rules official and reflecting her keen interest in the history of ladies golf, chaired the board of trustees of the Women's Golfers Museum. She had the distinction of serving as president of the LGU during the time of its merger with the RNA in 2017. And together with her husband, David, she owns and operates the Heritage of Golf Museum in the pro shop of Gillen Golf Club in East Lothian. I invited Gillian to reminisce about the early era of women's golf in Scotland and the British Isles, and to touch on the myriad projects she has had under her guidance seemingly every day since she was a lass. Her legacy and support of women's golf may be unparalleled in the modern era, and I was grateful for the opportunity to speak to her. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Uh, Jillian, first of all, thank you so much for joining me today. We're really excited to talk to you. Thank you. Yes, I'm really excited to be here and, and to be able to talk to you. Thank you. As a means of introduction, interestingly, I feel earnestly that I am the product of some of the work that you've been doing over the last 20 odd years. I was on a visit to the RNA World Golf Museum last October, and I came upon the absolutely brilliant but all too small exhibit of ladies golf, which sparked my interest. Mm -hmm. I found the exhibition truly enlightening, and if I may say, the high point of the entire museum's collection, with the possible exception of the Troon Clubs. I, I interviewed Angela Howe then for this podcast on episode 14 while I was there, and she led me to Lauren Beatty and her PhD research. Lauren was on episode 18 of the Plus Four podcast, and for our listeners' sake, now has her own podcast on the history of ladies' golf, for which you've been a guest. Mm -hmm. All of this is to say that my curiosity was piqued by the ladies' golf items on display at the museum, which, as we'll surely get into, came from critically important work of the organizers of the LGU beginning in 1893, and eventually the Women Golfers Museum in 1938 in London. Now, Jillian, I've asked scores of golf collectors, who has the best collection in women's golf? And nearly everyone mentions you. You've <laughs> held many important positions in the realm of women's golf, not the least of which is your previous role as president of the LGU since 2017, mm -hmm. when it merged with the RNA, having previously served in the role of chairperson since 2010. Mm -hmm. It feels like you have a charm life. Would you agree <laughs> with that? Oh, well, I've certainly had some great experiences. And I, I, I was just thinking the other day, you know, I don't really have much ambition. I never had much ambition to do anything, but I just seemed to get be in the right place at the right time and got asked to do various things, which really I've enjoyed so much. So, mm -hmm. um, but um, it's great that I've got this, uh, I don't know, uh, people think of me as a, as a uh, you know, the expert on women's golf and 
I don't feel as though I, I am, but I do know where to find things out. Yes. I think that's important as well. You know, I don't perhaps have everything in my head, but sure. I know where to find it. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk more about that in, in a few minutes. Can you take us back to the period of the merger with the RNA? What were some of the considerations then present when the LGU was contemplating this? And were there any arguments to remaining independent? Well, we often thought about it. When I was chairman, we were having, we were very close to the RNA anyway. They were very supportive of us. And I think it got to the stage where the women golfers in Great Britain maybe we lost touch with them a little bit because we um we used to run handicapping we used to run course rating we still do the the british golf championships and things like that but i think we we lost touch with the kind of ground level of of women's golf in great britain and ireland and that was our main source of income we every mm. every golfer every woman golfer in 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 britain had a uh, paid about 2 pounds 2 pounds 50 per head to help the LGU. And it was beginning to get to the stage where people were objecting to paying it because they didn't see what was in it for them. And we were trying to run things like the Women's Open. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were, you know, we, we had some very big events that we were we were running. So uh, I think we, we thought it was getting too big to handle. And I think that's one of the reasons why. Uh, I actually wasn't chairman. I was chairman from 2010 to 2013, but it was actually in that spell between 2013 and 2016 that they they, they made the decision to to mm. join the, the, the with the RNA and then when I came back as president we were going along in parallel really and by 2019 yes. we'd, we'd we'd completely joined with the RNA so I, I think it was financial that was really the reason why why we did it it's certainly for our big tournaments it's the most fantastic thing the rna puts so much money into into uh, all our am- big amateur tournaments and the women's open itself has just gone from strength to strength mm-hmm. as women's golf has just recently anyway all the prize money and the and the you know amounts that the winner gets are yeah. enormous now in the millions and uh when yeah. we were running it it was in the kind of maybe hundred thousand something like that you know it was sure. not not a big event, not a big purse, but now it is big business. You're reminding me with your answer uh, between 1893 and today, there were so many LGUs formed in countries around the world. Could you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that? I, I forgot to even think about that before. Oh, our well, yes. I mean, uh, we actually where the along with Ireland, Ireland actually had a ladies golf union as well. But uh, um, with the with the ladies golf union, a lot of these countries who were formed their own associations and, and golf uh, unions were well asked to join us as well because of the handicap, really because of the handicapping system. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were like the, the mother, the mother company, you know, that would and all these other uh, associations um, felt that they uh, owed something to the LGU and uh, uh, we at our at our our AGMs, we used to have people from, you know, New Zealand, Australia, uh, Nigeria, you know, all over the world came to our AGMs because their countries were uh, amalgamated with with ours. As is is AGM annual general meeting? Yes, that's right. Annual oh, okay. general meeting. Yes, gotcha. and it was it was a very the Nigerians came with the most exotic costumes. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, so uh, we have listeners of this podcast in Nigeria and Mozambique, uh, and it's amazing. Uh, yes, yes, yes. So uh, these ladies were were um, very, very keen on the ladies' golf union, and so maybe not from eighteen ninety three, but maybe in mm-hmm. the 
uh, you know, early 1900s, all these uh, golf unions joined up with us. And uh, right. um, and the handicapping system had a lot to do with it. They adopted our uh, ladies' golf union handicapping system, which lasted really for about 100 years, you know, without much change at all. Yeah. Well, I um, want to ask you about that in a minute. Yes. I noticed the LGU retains a large building on the scores, which I passed when I was walking to the old course. That's right. Uh, the, 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 yes, the, the 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 big side's still there, the, the brass plate, but in fact it is owned now by the RNA. Yes. And uh, the, the the rules people are in there. So oh, I see. R, RNA rules departments in our LGU building. Um, I see. So yeah. uh -huh. uh, all of the precious photo albums and things like that, where do they exist? Are they at well, they're, they're with the World Golf Museum. Uh, a lot of them are, there's a storeroom in, in Cooper, um, but if you yeah. wanted to see anything, you can probably get hold of them and they would bring them to the, a reading room in, in the World Golf Museum for you to see if you wanted to look at any of the big albums. So, Cooper uh, st strikes me as such an interesting little town. Uh, oh yes it is it's uh, an old golf course as well it's uh, it's uh, right. some golfing, golfing heritage there as well i like to think of charles lee uh and the days that he spent there mm -hmm. uh, the mm -hmm. painter you know the painter yes that's right we were funny we were just talking my husband and i were just talking about charles lee's today mm -hmm. uh, so uh yes it's quite a uh, painter quite a painter very important paintings that he he, he did I'd like to ask, with everything you've seen and read, what would you say is the most memorable item in the LGU archives? Well, the records, the the the, um, the photographs, they're very, very valuable because they're just history. It's it's uh, it's just wonderful to look through them and and see the, you know, what happened before. I think the trophies. I mean, the the, the trophies are really, you know, some of them are really uh, spectacular. The British amateur ladies um, is amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying ladies is now the women's amateur, but uh, um, mm -hmm. yes, it's uh, it's it's a, a wonderful trophy. Um, there's nothing of any great intrinsic value. You know, there's nothing that you could you know melt down and make a fortune or anything like that. It's not. Uh, right. You know, it's really the old, the old things, and, oh, yeah. and you revere them, and and uh, you know, it's it's good they're they're still being looked after by the World Golf Museum. Was that yeah. trophy that Lady Margaret Scott first won named? Yes. Does that have a name? Well, that's the Ladies Amateur. That was it was called the the Ladies Amateur Championship, and now it's called the Women's Amateur. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yes, it, it was uh, um, it cost fifty guineas in eighteen ninety three. And uh, a lot of clubs chipped in to pay for it, including Rolliton St. Anne's, where it, where it was. So, mm -hmm. yeah, St. Anne's then it was. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Is that the same trophy still used? Does it come out of yes, the case? Yes, oh. yes, it is. It's still there. And they and put a sh and shield they, on it every year? Yeah, they put a shield on it. That's right. Yeah. It's higher and taller and taller. And it's, it's, it's really, you know, it started off about that size. And now it's, you know, big. That's incredible. Um, to yes. think of all the people that have touched that trophy. It's, oh, yes. Yes. It gives you shivers, doesn't it? Yes. It's inspirational. Yes. yes. Inspirational. Now, I've yeah. heard rumors that part of the current construction at the RNA is involving expansion of the ladies' locker room. Is that something you can confirm? <laughs> well, yes, there will be a ladies' locker room in the building. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yes, I wouldn't say the whole reason that the no. RNA building is being refurbished is just because of the women, but um, it's uh, they're certainly making a, a I should imagine a very nice facility. I haven't seen it yet, but a very nice facility for ladies. 
there, uh, the, the members are, uh, the, we've only got about 40 women members of the uh, RNA. Uh -huh. And I mean, there's, there's well over 2,000. Well, if you count the Americans, it's, you know, there's well over 3,000, I would say, members. So we're a very, very small percentage yet, but uh, mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully it will grow. The joke is always that when it's half and half, we'll be <laughs> <laughs> we'll be taking over the men's side. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, just look at the uh, the history since 1893. The yes. women, the women know how to organize. Oh, they're very good organizers. They are. Yes. <laughs> I was going to ask you if the ladies' ranks are growing, but you've answered that. Yes. I, I understand that you and David are now members of the RNA, and we'll talk about David in just a minute. But uh, yes. have you? have you enjoyed access to their archives in that position yes in a way i i mean i'm i'm on the board now of the world golf museum mm -hmm. so i'm aware of records and things that i can look at i haven't been doing much research on that side of things recently because um we've got the women golfers museum as well and i've got yes. a lot of records here anyway so i don't need to go up to the rna to look at theirs but um uh, I'm, I'm quite aware of what they've got, which is wonderful and uh, some marvelous things. Um, yeah, I would think the oil paintings alone. Oh would, yes, would be worth the visit. Yes, that's right. It's such a pity that not many women golfers were painted in oils. Mm -hmm. There, there's so many good, beautiful paintings of men, but uh, very few women. Interesting. I've got some oil paintings. I was taken aback by the portrait of Charlie Hunter in the Prestwick dining room, you know, oh, to yes. have a to have a professional in a full length portrait mm -hmm. at, at that era is pretty uncommon. Yes. Uh -huh. Well, they've and, got uh, Thomas over in St. Andrews, so um, sure. And I think they, they, they admired the golf that these people played. So, you know, they, sure. it didn't really matter how poor they were, if they were good sure. golfers, they were <laughs> considered worthwhile. They made a lot of people a lot of money. Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, now, you were also a past chairperson of the Scottish Ladies Golf Association and a rules official. What were mm. some of the projects you were involved in in those capacities? Mm, golly. Well, being I was only chairman of the women golf, oh, sorry, the Scottish ladies for a year, working my way up. I was actually chairman of Scottish girls before I took that on. Mm -hmm. And that was really quite uh, exciting. We introduced a new under 16s championship. And uh, I really like my time doing girls golf because they're you, you just you saw some little tots, you know, who starting off and you just knew that they were going to be good. You know, they're, they're, they're really um, the Maguire twins, for instance, people like that. You know, it was it was that was actually not my time, but uh, and they're Irish anyway. But you just knew that they were going to be good. And, and uh, I love seeing that. So I like being involved with with girls golf. And if, I was lucky, I was, I was actually chairman in the year 2000, which at the time people thought they should make somebody important uh -huh. or whatever in the year 2000. So I was really quite privileged to be the, the, the chairman in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think it, I read recently that Leona was one of the youngest in the amateur, as Michelle Wee was. Yes, she was. Yeah. She was one of the, yeah, the, she and her sister, Lisa, because mm -hmm. they, they, both of them, when they were young, Lisa was sometimes better than Leona and Leona was sometimes better than, and, you know, they won different things at different times. And it, it was just great seeing them growing up. Mm -hmm. And the other great thing about them was they, their parents were teachers and they were determined to get an education. And so they, they, you know, they did the university. She didn't, Leona didn't turn pro until she was 25. Mm. And, and and people should you know get their education 
application sure. it, it broadens your mind it's you need to have more than golf i think sure yeah. sure yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I recently purchased an item at Mullock's auctions, and it, it, it's a collection of ladies' golf pins from the David Easby collection. Oh, yes. Right. And my favorite is the SLGA pin. Oh, right. uh, uh, But there are one or two that I haven't been able to identify. I was just okay. curious, were you familiar with his collection at all? Yes, yes. I've got one or two things. Yeah, in fact, the painting, that painting there is from David Easby. Oh, yes. Yeah. This, one, this little one here. Uh-huh. It was from David Easby's, and we 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 bought one or two things from Easby's collection. We knew David Easby quite well. Quite sure, I, I assumed you might. Collectors. Yes. Uh -huh. Was he much of a collector of ladies' golf that you know of? I think he was very eclectic collector. He was uh -huh. uh, he just collected everything. I've, I've never David, my husband, he's visited their house, his house, and mm -hmm. he said every wall, everything, every every room was golf. You know, right. it was um, and uh, he, he presented things very well in that he'd frame them and he put explanations in and that sort of thing. So it was um, it was very very good. Here, this is my oh item oh that oh yes oh golly look at all those and these are all and, ladies pins yeah these are all ladies pins yes. Uh, now you and your husband David have been active online with stream lectures at the RNA, and you've been guests on a number of things like this podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. David, for those who don't know, ran Alexander Kirkwood and Son for many years, a mm -hmm. family business that since 1826 produces some of the finest medals, medallions, and awards in the world, especially in golf. Mm -hmm. I suppose you two are best known today for taking on the mantle of owning and operating the Heritage of Golf Museum in the Pro Shop at Gullen. Mm -hmm. originally established by the legendary Archie Baird. Mm -hmm. How do you balance all of these roles in your life? And is there a life for you outside of golf? <laughs> um, we've got a family. I've got four, eight grandchildren. So mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time with the family and that's good. the thing. And I play bridge um, oh, good. in the winter. Is David your partner in bridge? No, he's not. No, he doesn't yeah. play bridge. No, he strikes um... me as a bluffer. <laughs> <laughs> which might be a bad quality for a partner well, yes he's, um, he's, he likes cards but he's not he's not I I, I, I don't know I, I when I started to play bridge he just wasn't around it was either one or other risk because we were looking out we had children sure so I, it was my thing to go out and play bridge so and he would stay home and look after the children so I really enjoy the game but uh they they the golf museum we've got in in Gillen is open by appointment, so it's not as if you have to sit there all day and wait for somebody to come yes. in. And it, it's much more rewarding actually if people do phone up because you know they've made the effort, and mm -hmm. therefore they're interested. Because so often people go to these, you know, if we've got the door open, some people just wander in, they look round and they go, "Oh my God!" and they walk out again. You know? <laughs> The uncurious, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. They just don't see it at all. Yeah, but if you get the collectors or the people who are really interested in the history of golf coming in, they love it. So it's very rewarding to, to do that. And um, yeah, everything seems to fit in. At the moment, David and I were doing a talk next week on the uh, the rise of golf in East Lothian, mm -hmm. um, which um, is, is taxing us a little bit because there's hardly any written records of the very very early golf in mm -hmm. East Lothian you know so it's um even that seminal book on East Lothian that's got to yes, be a good resource. we're using John Kerr's book a lot yeah. yes we yeah. are but his first his first couple of chapters are 
you know, the basis of our talk or basically, but sure. if we're doing it with PowerPoint, we've got to find the images. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's something I can't find a map of East Lothian that's earlier than, you know, 1600. Mm. Yes. And, Interesting. Um, it's so, um, it, it's, it's, we're having to compromise sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> now for <laughs> listeners that don't know, Sheila Baird, Archie's wife was the great granddaughter of Willie Park senior, who was the first winner of the open. Can you share a story or two about Archie and Sheila? Well, they were great friends of ours. Well, Sheila's still alive. Sheila's 93. Mm. In fact, she was just on the phone last week um, asking after us, would you believe? Because generally we are phoning her asking after uh -huh. us. <laughs> she, she's, uh, she's still as sharp as a tack. She really is. And Archie died about, what, five, four or five years ago now. But they were great friends of ours. And we always said we'd take over the museum. Archie was the so knowledgeable about golf and mm -hmm. he really sparked my interest in women's golf history. He gave me a book, oh I don't know, in the 80s, probably in the 80s. It was called Golfing Reminiscences by Mabel Stringer. Yes, and, I've read uh, it, yeah, love that oh, book. Oh, cracking book. I yeah. mean, completely readable even though it's full of facts and uh, that really got me involved in, in uh, researching things we were collectors already and i had a lot of women golf women's golf stuff already but it just made me realize that you know this, the history was so important and mm -hmm. these women were such such pioneers it, it, it it's uh, it's wonderful they were you know so colorful and just oh just love i love i love the history side me too so that, yeah uh when i left the uh, rna world golf museum Mm -hmm. And I first learned about Mabel Stringer. I also did what you did. I, I found a copy of the book mm -hmm. and read that book. And she was the first female golf journalist ever, mm -hmm. as far as I know. Oh, yes, as far as, yes, I think so. I mean, there were some ladies, the um, boys and McCarran, who wrote the um, uh, Our Ladies of the Green, which is the first yes. book about golf, uh -huh. with ladies golf book. They were members of Royal Blackheath. That was in 1890 seven or 98 so that you know i don't know if you could call them journalists but they certainly were authors yes and that's true yeah i just finished that book others. as well yeah there were several others that wrote chapters of different things right. in hutchinson's um badminton guide and things yeah. like that There's chapters on that ladies wrote there so um but uh mabel stringer was probably the first paid by a newspaper mm -hmm. um reporter type person yeah I think I think uh, probably if the women's golf was reported before it was probably men that did it yes uh, he was the first one, of, one one of the things I remember sticking out when I read that book was among many other things she spent some time living on yachts and I thought wow how do you do that in the great Great Britain Isles but I guess you can do that maybe yes. off the coast of England yeah yes and Scotland well um one of the chapters was all about when they decided to found uh county golf which is you know in in Great Britain and Ireland we've got counties mm -hmm. uh, and uh it was just like a stepping stone between the ordinary club golfer and playing in the major championships if you played county golf it was kind of in that middle area and they were they, they discussed it on a uh a, a yacht called Lisette which mm -hmm. um, Mabel which um is that Pearson's parents owned right um, and they 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 went sailing quite a lot you know anyway for weeks on mm -hmm. end out on the west coast of Scotland um ah, there's, a lot okay. of, there's a lot of sailing goes on in the south coast of like England I mean there's you know there's uh, around Portsmouth and Southampton yes. and that yeah. lots of lots of 
saving Solent. Yes. I'd love to ask you some questions on the history of the game. We've sort of alluded to some of this, but we know that the LGU established a handicapping system 30 years before the men. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right? Yes, yes. That's and, right. uh, yeah. This is just utterly remarkable and impressive to me. I was reading their approach in the early years in the book that you just mentioned, Our Lady of the Green, yeah. in the interclub matches chapter. And it was so interesting to find that the ladies match play early on wasn't simply one point for the winning side in a match. In fact, they counted the number of holes won as points. So a vastly lopsided individual match could help a team prevail, even if the team won fewer overall matches. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. I think men's, I, men's matches like were, were the same. If uh -huh. you look at um, Golf Illustrated or the golfing, uh, you know, in the early days, they did matches with holes up. It was holes up, not... Uh, um, and, and occasionally I've played in a match where it's been holes up, not just one yeah. for a win, zero for a loss and that sort of thing. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's so it's interesting like, in a team format yeah. because if you have a really lopsided match. Yes. Oh, it's fr frustrating. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I was so I was really I reread that section a few times just to make sure I was following it correctly. Yes, yes. Uh -huh. Are yes. there any other elements or innovations in the ladies game that surprised you as you've studied the subject? No, I just how innovative they were about um, uh, Mabel's going back to Mabel Stringer. She started so many things, in, you know, mm -hmm. British Girls Championship. She started the, uh, the um, Veterans Championship. She started, you know, a Parliamentary Championship where women uh, didn't get the vote here till 1919. So the Parliamentary Association was really wives and mothers and daughters of MPs and people mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. were involved in the government so um that you know there's lots of different things that they uh that they started so the handicapping system yes that was really really important i just also think about the lengths to which these ladies traveled to make sure that the the well, union stayed strong yes yes that's right and it wasn't easy in those days obviously well, no no it wasn't it wasn't the, the train if there was a championship the train company would give them special carriages and special um fares to get to the different things but then they'd probably have to get a horse and cart or something to get to you know get to the actual venue um once they came to the station so it was a uh, they really had to make make an effort but these remember these ladies who played in these things didn't work in those days it was only sure. really the the, the the well well um uh well endowed ladies that they were just the, the rich ones that could could play because they were away for two weeks sometimes if they went to yeah. the british championship it was virtually a two-week thing they actually had a gap in the middle for the weekends and then they carried on so um it, it's you know it took a while um, and I know, you know, they often had dances and socials and dinners. Oh, actually, and, yes, that's right. Yeah. They had socials and they had, they played charades and they, um, right. you know, they, they had sing songs and, oh, just uh, uh, some of them were, you know, excellent singers or piano players or whatever. So they, they had really had a, a good time and they got to know each other really well i think that's maybe the strength of it too that they they, they were good friends you mm -hmm. know everybody supported each other it, they weren't just um i think they kind of banded together but they all had one goal and and uh, right. you know so it was uh, it was quite good to to do that yeah. well we talked about golfing reminiscences um which I'm sad to say is a pretty expensive book if you try to find it today, but you can get it through interlibrary loan, which is what I've yeah. done. 
although I, I'm definitely going to have a copy sometime in my library. Yes. Are there other books in particular you would recommend for ladies golf and the history? Oh, well, for British ladies golf, uh, there's one called um, Golfing Ladies by Rosalind Cossey, which mm -hmm. was published in 1984 uh, by Orbis Books. And it's a very good history. It she spent a lot of time with the LGU um, researching it, and, and uh, it, I still refer to it. It's still very, very relevant today. There's an American book, The Illustrated History of Ladies Golf. Or 100 um, Years of Ladies Golf, perhaps. Well, 100 Years of Ladies Golf was um, Louis Mayer. That's a great book as well. It's, it's a lovely book for the centenary. It's not really a history book. It just picks out different people, and it's 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 lovely. As a you know, we we used to give it as presents to people because right. it is such an excellent book. Uh, now Stephen Proctor is working on a new book on the history of the women's game. Has he reached out to you at all? Yes, yes, I've, I've met Stephen Proctor, and uh, I know he's really keen on Joyce Weatherhead. So. Mm. Um, He's wanting to write a book about her that she, I don't know how far he's got, but he's uh, sure. we've corresponded and I've helped, you know, I've given him some information, but uh, I don't, he's obviously busy at it, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. Basil Ashton Tinker's book on weather. It is such a great book, too. Yes, yes. I've got that book. Yes. I read and reviewed that book probably 10 years ago. I love that book. Yes. So as a student of history like yourself, what do you make of Gloria Minoprio as an example? Oh, oh well, she <laughs> she was a character. She really was. Uh -huh. um, it's funny, we were just down at uh, Royal Blackheath for a British Golf Collectors get-together about mm -hmm. two weekends ago, and there was a guy there that gave us a talk on, on Gloria Minoprio, and she was a fascinating character. She was a not only a... She practiced so hard. She only played with one club, and she practiced so hard with that one club that she really got quite good and uh, but the, of course the, the her claim to fame is is wearing trousers the first time the first time a woman wore trousers in a a, a championship I mean mm -hmm. they probably were wearing trousers you know in the country or whatever but sure. it was the first time that somebody had actually turned up at a chat everybody wore skirts in those days in the yeah early 1930s and so that was her claim to fame but she was also a fantastic magician. She was mm -hmm. a member of the Magic Circle, and she was a, and, and you know, a, a bit of a show off in in that respect as well. But uh, I started a Gloria Minoprio challenge here with our Hickory group, right, and right. Uh, men and women alike, everybody has to wear trousers and play with a clique. Yes. And we had our first event this year. I think I read that she showed up on occasion in a buttercream. Rolls Royce, and yes. I I found pictures of her caddy. Mm -hmm. He who carried one extra clique. Yes, in case she broke it. That's yeah, right. no golf, no golf bag, no just one extra bag. club. And yes, that's right. She was amazing, and she just and she never spoke. That was the other thing. I mean, the the rest of the women thought she was the oddest person ever. Yeah. she never spoke. I think she, she painted. Work. I think she painted the nail on her thumb bright red as well. And yeah. she had a her she had a cutout on her glove so that her thumb wasn't under the glove. I'm through, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, she was a trickster. I think I know she won at least one match. I don't know that yes, she won she a did. lot of her matches. She didn't. She didn't seem to play in many things at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, she came and played in the English Championship and the British uh, Ladies Championship, as it was, and uh, in the early 30s, right mm -hmm. through to and then she actually donated her first outfit to the Women Golfers Museum in 1938. Right. 
Right. So, um, you know, she she uh, was very generous as well because she could have probably kept that uh, and the clique. Yes. She was, oh, she donated the clique. Yeah, uh -huh. And it's it's now in the uh, World Golf Museum. Our, yes. our collection, the Women Golfers Collection, is on loan to the World Golf Museum. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's on display. Now, what are your impressions of Lady Margaret Scott? Uh, oh, she man. absolutely dominated the early era of ladies golf, but retired at just 18 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, do we know what became of her? Yes, she got married. She actually won the um, Swiss Ladies Championship mm -hmm. a few years later. She became uh, Lady Hamilton. I can't remember. It was like a three-barreled three name. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but she uh, she did keep on playing golf, but just stopped playing in the championship. So she um, she was uh, what was it? Horace Hutchinson said he, it was, he had, she had the best swing man man or woman he'd ever seen. Mm. Her backswing uh, is unbelievable, totally yeah, unbelievable. Uh, oh, it's, it's way round, way round. Yeah, her, yeah behind her, her back. But uh, I think um, she was lucky. She had a, a parents that well, her father was Lord Eldon, and he uh, owned a big place with an estate and they had a golf course right outside their house mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she had bought, uh, brothers that played golf and so she just joined them and yeah and, yeah so remarkable it, it absolutely remarkable very young but yeah. uh, ob obviously talented and uh, infinitely flexible yeah very I think so <laughs> yes now Litham and Littleston were important early clubs that embraced the women's yes. golf union Wimbledon too Yes. Are there others that stick out to you as early leaders in supporting the organization of women's golf? Um, I think Port Rush is one. Oh, yes, Port Rush. Yes, there's, there's Port Rush. And uh, certainly for Irish golf, Port Rush and, and Royal County Down were the leaders of, of uh, getting Irish golf started. And Dublin, uh, of course, clubs in Dublin as well. But uh, mm -hmm. the, um, I don't know, in, in Scotland, probably St. Andrews, St. Rule. I was struck at the repeated reference to Royal Portrush as the only 18-hole ladies' links in Ireland, and I just wondered what should a modern reader glean from that sort of statement? Probably that women's golf in Ireland was secondary to men's, mm -hmm. and men didn't want them to play on the big long courses that they had, mm -hmm. so they would give women like a pitch and putch course, you know, they thought that was all that women would want and a lot of women that's all they did want but they, right. a lot of the pioneering women wanted to play in the long course and so you know fought tooth and nail to do it and that's how we're you know that's how women's golf really got going because these powerful women you know took it on and said we can play just as well as the men so sure. so i think i think that's probably it i mean most most of the the first uh three or four of the british championships were actually played on a very short course littleston was just a, a very short course mm -hmm. so um it, it um we didn't actually play uh, on the long course till they came up to here to gillen and uh, mm -hmm. 1897 and mm -hmm. on the, the the proper 18 hole golf course right mm -hmm. Uh, without recounting it, I know Horace Hutchinson later apologized for the incredibly crude and thoughtless letter he wrote in 1893 from North Berwick mm -hmm. about whether women should even attempt to compete in golf. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, he later worked hard to support the LGU. But how can one make sense of that original scandalous viewpoint? 
I don't know. I think he was a, a moment of madness. I think he just yeah. wrote it and uh, then regretted it. And in fact, I mean, I think the LGU forgave him as well because he was one of our vice presidents. Yes. Quite not long after, maybe three or four years later. Right. He, he changed his tune anyway. I think he realized that you know that, that women could hold a championship and get organized and uh he probably in the end i think he must have admired us for yeah uh, all the pioneering things we did so mm -hmm. it's so it's so inspirational to me yeah i've uh, also been enamored by the stories mm -hmm. of rona adair and the heslett sisters uh, mainly may heslett all mm -hmm. prominent early players from ireland the book 100 years of women's golf recounts a time when adair played 36 holes at st andrews with old tom morris mm -hmm. morris was 79 at the time but could you imagine that couple of hours together oh tremendous i know it must have been wonderful i mean tom morris was really revered he was a very special you know father we we in the museum that we run we we have a pic portrait of him and we say the father of golf because he really got so many things going himself and and designed golf courses he was the first one that did everything he made clubs he played well he designed golf courses he did you know he he was so admired ball, and ball maker he, yeah ball maker and so on yes yeah, just yeah, yeah. everything he did so um i think it would have been really special to to play golf with him uh, one of the reasons I mean, he can't have been playing awfully well you know no 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 be quite a, you know i think they said uh over the uh i think was it 36 holes yeah over the 36 holes i think he won only by one hole <laughs> but 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 still just yeah. to just to imagine uh, rona must have been a young woman at that time mm -hmm. yes. uh, it yes. would have been it would have been wonderful to just observe that from a distance you know Yes, yes. Uh, one of the reasons I do this podcast in part is because so many people think that old Tom is the father of golf, when in fact, of course, golf was here for 400 years. Oh, you know? yes, yes. And, it was... and, I, and you know that, but yes. Uh, yeah. I love to get into the pre, pre-1880s history. Yes, uh, yes. And, you know, a lot of it is harder to find, as you discovered with the East Lothian project. Yes, that's right. We're... we're um there's a you know quite where did golf start everybody's got a different opinion mm -hmm. so um you know and, and there are pictures in china and there's pictures of romans playing ball and right. stick games. Right. Ball and stick games i think we're going along but whether the, getting you organized as a golf game probably came about 1400 or something like that yes it's acts of parliament of 1457 here in scotland mm -hmm. yeah it's it, the act of parliament that football and golf be totally cried down be be stopped and uh practice your archery because the english might invade us right so it was a uh, you know and so good heavens it must have been going long before that sure yeah. yeah do you know any hickory era women club makers oh golly no i don't i don't know i've, many asked, women I've, asked, I've asked many people and i've never yeah. uncovered one I don't I can't think of any women I know that there were women professionals who taught golf mm -hmm. but I don't think there were any um uh not I, I'm not aware of club makers at yeah. all I've never come across one either I've never come across any no could you just talk for a minute about the Curtis Cup and is would you oh, say that's as strong as ever these days oh uh, yeah 
very much so. Um, the girls themselves who play in the Coutts Cup, just it's a pinnacle of, of amateur golf to, to be picked for the, the Curtis Cup team. It, it's still such a great event and they love playing in it. So uh, generally you find that they'll, they'll hang on if they get see if they can get into a Curtis Cup team and then turn professional yes, apps sure. immediately afterwards. So sure. it's a great thing to have on your CV as well to be a Curtis Cup player. And there's a great body. There's a, there's a Curtis Cup association over here on, on this side of the Atlantic. That uh, and I think the same in America. And uh, the um, the Curtis Cup players, the old ones who mm -hmm. who are supporters now come and play each other as well during the Curtis Cup week. Uh, so sure. it's a very, very friendly tournament. Great fun. Yeah. I love the Curtis Cup. Yeah. I, I should attend some year. I've never been. Oh, it's great. Well, it's a Sunningdale next year. Yeah. So, so it'll be it'll be good. And uh, <laughs> just two yeah. more questions. You've got some wonderful yeah. resources on a website for the Women's Golfers Museum. Yeah. I should say Women Golfer Museum. Women, women Golfers Museum. That's right. right. It's been Women Golfers, which is, is strange in 1938. Yes. You just, it would have been the Ladies Golf Museum, but it wasn't. It was a Women Golfers Museum. I'll put a link to this in my show notes, but I remember seeing an extensive list of books in the collection, presumably now at the University of St. Andrews Special Collection That's or maybe right. in your home. Yes. No, no, uh, um, no, they're, they're at the special collections. Um, there are some things at home here. Um, I've got a complete collection of uh, Fairway and Hazard, which was the magazine mm -hmm. of women's golf from uh, 1930 to 1972. And that's a fantastic resource. Mm. For, um, you know, people looking for their, you know, great aunt Maud, who was a good golf. Yes. Can you tell me something about her? And you can look it up. And you might even find a photograph of her. So, you know, they're, they're quite pleased about that. Wow. <laughs> Yes. And you also have a list of important female golfers through time. Uh, do you yeah. still maintain that website? Well, yes and no. I mean, it's really old fashioned and I really need to change it. But um, I started it 20 years ago. I, my uh, Before, I, my background was all in computing. I was at uh, mm -hmm. um, University of Edinburgh for 25 years. And the, the um, I, 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 could, I could write websites straight from scratch, you know, not without any, you know, so I, I just probably did that one just at the time. And I just keep on adding to it and adding to it. And I should really take it off that site and put it somewhere else. And well, it's good. It's I, I yeah. discovered it and there's yeah. great resources on it. Yeah, well, thank you. Yes, it's it's uh, but I keep on meaning to do more. The trouble with, uh, well, it's a technical thing, but I used to use Dreamweaver, which is a sure. program writing web stuff. Uh -huh. Well, I, I refused to pay the terrible price that Adobe charged for Dreamweaver. Yes. So I've got an old computer that I use for websites. Right. We were still on it. <laughs> I just do that. I hardly ever sit at it. So that's half the reason why I don't up, keep updating it. I'm a, I'm a former Dreamweaver user. I remember right. it. Oh, yes. And, and I remember the frustrations of all these software changes through time, you know. Oh, yes. I know. Nowadays, you can just put a website together, you know, with different elements. Yes. It's Yeah. You know, it, there's no programming involved. Right. Yeah. Well, my last question, uh, do you and David have succession plans for the museum in Gullen? Not really. We haven't really got anybody that's the least bit interested. Uh -huh. um, because, I mean, we don't make any money at it. It's yeah. not, 
it's it's we just do it because we love it and that's what archie did he just did it because he loved it and there's nobody else with the same enthusiasm that's coming through um we could probably keep it going for about another another few years anyway but sure uh, eventually like archie he, he just got to the stage with archie we'd always said we would take over the museum and um for about 20 years he's kept on saying not yet not yet and then eventually <laughs> he said, okay you can have it <laughs> yeah so we we actually bought the museum from him yes yes they needed then you know some money so we, we bought yeah it it's really wonderful that you did that yeah. i can think of one young american podcast hoster that would love to come over and run that museum oh really oh dear well that you need to have another income from somewhere else because i know never <laughs> make money and make any money at it yeah well, Jillian, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we say goodbye? No, no, it's great to talk golf. I just love women's golf. It's lovely that it's being, uh, you know, people will listen to this and um, hear all about women's golf because the history of women's golf is so important. Yeah. And most, you know, grassroots golfers just don't realize the background of how it all came to be. and. Uh, you just think it happened but in fact i mean it really wouldn't have happened without those pioneers at the beginning and it's just great that you know we're able to talk about them yeah absolutely well thank you for what you do thank you yeah. so much for your time today i really okay. appreciate it nice nice to speak to you too, you too. be well bye. Thanks. bye bye bye, -bye.